All right, good morning, everybody. Let's go or turn our Bibles quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. Thank you for our guests being here, Brother Bertrand. Nice to see you again. And nice to meet you, Brother Coleman, and your family. And uh, we'll hear from them in our later service. We'll give them time to let us know what's been going on in their life. And uh, Brother Bertrand, we just took you on, I think, this year. I believe we took you on this year. You've been getting the money? Oh, good. Make sure that happens too. Amen. All right, we're in lesson uh, number 10, 11, I should say. Lesson 11. And just for recap, uh, we're going to finish this week this lesson. I got two more lessons on this book, and then we're going to do a new series called Making Home Work. We're going to start that as soon as we're done. We'll give you an announcement for that and be a part of that. And uh, let's encourage folks to be in Sunday school again. Remember last year we had a goal to have 100 in Sunday school. And I looked at our attendance lately. We're not getting to 100 anymore. And so I'll give you uh, an incentive. Just think about it and invite somebody that maybe you know come on a, on a regular basis uh, maybe Sunday morning, and just tell them, hey, if you come a little early, about an hour, we have a Sunday school hour. So praise the Lord uh, for that and help recruit some people uh, if you can, all right, and pray about that. We have some friends maybe that you know come uh, on a Sunday morning service, and but not, not, uh, not accustomed to coming on Sunday school, maybe you can ask them to come. I know some watch us online for the sake of trying to get another hour ready to be here Sunday morning. So I don't blame them if they're doing that. They're going to come Sunday morning. They're watching online. But there is a difference, just to put a plug in there, being amongst the people of God. So come if you can. I understand if you can't. Totally understand that. Pray for a lot of our people are not feeling well. Just the weather is coming our way. Cold weather is coming. I'm not sure if we're going to get any our first frost this coming week. It looks like it's pretty... It's pretty nice in the middle of the week, uh, but it's coming. So just be, be aware of your health and uh, get your vitamin C and uh, get your immune system bolstered up. But praise the Lord for others that are feeling better now and back with us again. All right? And we've got a lot of special things going on all throughout the day, so I won't belabor anything until maybe in the morning I'll explain some things to you guys. All right? So in the way of review, Lesson 11 is talking about real labor. We're talking about... This entire book that our curriculum we've been using is emphasizing real church. And it's talking about the components of what a real church is. And a lot of times it's good to review, all right? And so we come to this lesson of real labor. And churches uh, represent labor, all right? If you see a church and you see people in the church, it requires labor for it to work, all right. Somebody cleaned before we got here today. Somebody was maintaining, make sure the heat is on, and or any kind of repair of that nature. And some people are laboring even as we speak. They're teaching some classes. All right. And some are uh, have done uh, other things outside of the church, ministry of the church. I know some of the young men were gone yesterday all day. I remember leaving our house about quarter till six, and I didn't come home till. After choir about nine o'clock last night. That's how it worked, you know. Came right, uh, I, I, I hitched the right going there, 
and I came home, and uh, our, our toilet didn't want to cooperate and flooded our, our, our bathroom. And so we had to come here for, for choir last night and uh, back at it again this morning. It's just labor is part of a church, all right? And so if you want to be a blessing to your fellow uh, church attenders, find what God wants you to do in the church through the authority that God has allotted for us. Talk to the pastor. Uh, talk to somebody in leadership and ask them if you could help in some form or another, all right? Uh, you could always look around. You know, uh, there's people that strain up the pews and strain up all our hymn books. Do you know that people turn on lights, turn off lights? People adjust different things. And so there's so many things that could be done. And if you're interested, let us know. And tonight, I'm going to put a plug in. Uh, we're going to start something uh, that's kind of different for us, a two- and three-year-old nursery class. And so there's some new ladies that have come in to the church. And I appreciate every one of you. And some of you are right here looking at me right now. I want to thank you way ahead of time that you even volunteered. And so we're going to have a, a, a tonight an evening service. We're going to have a meeting with you. And we're going to start this uh, uh, class. And it's going to be good for those that teach normally from 2 to 5. It's just a big age group that they teach. And currently they have so many kids in there. They're running 12, 13 kids at times. And so that would help, uh, uh, help some of our teachers. All right? And so uh, thank you again. Labor, labor, labor. It's part of life. All right? And so think about that. Real labor happens in the real church. We talked about point number one, uh, recognize your role and uh, learn your part and learn uh, your, uh, your, uh, your responsibility as a church member, all right? And it begins at salvation. You can't properly uh, be led by the Holy Ghost as he empowers us in service. Uh, you can't be empowered by him. You can't be led by him until you find who Jesus is. Because we learn that true labor, real labor, has to come from his strength and his resource. It's not willpower. You can do that for a little bit and character-driven. I appreciate people that are character-driven. And we need character people. Uh, we need people that have character, I should say. Uh, and we need that in, in part, you know, because it goes along with labor. Sometimes uh, labor, we learn that uh, is not going to be exciting. Some labor are mundane labor. Who likes uh, to do something over and over and over again, you know? Uh, it, it reminds me of I love to clean. I love to put things together. I love to put things away. I love to, uh, I find something out of place. I like to put it where it needs to belong. It just gives me uh, some sanity in my brain. That's how I cope with life. And guess what? When you live with people and you live with uh, people that have to use different things, guess what? How many times I have to put that broom back where it needs to be? It's just part of life. And you get tired of those mundane. You know, part of my brain says, can we just not do nothing? Because I'm broken in the head. So you know what I mean. Some of you that are that way feel that way. Some people that I appreciate all the ladies lately that organize the kitchen. Man, I'm glad I'm not part of that team. I just give you my blessing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord be with you. No. All right. Oh, we're recorded, so I can't be doing that. But anyways, uh, <laughs> I'm glad there's people that do that. 
because it would drive me bonkers. And uh, some of you have seen only my good side. And you can ask my family what I mean by that. If you really get me to do something and I want it a certain way, you haven't really felt like what Pastor Chris really wants. You have not seen that. Because if you've seen that, you'll see a side of Pastor Chris you probably haven't seen. And I don't want to show it to you. And so real labor, it's, it's part of life. Learn your role. It begins at salvation. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. We need God. We need God to empower us and uh, transform us into servants. All right? And B, it continues by mercy. It begins at salvation. It continues by mercy. And now the essence of our, our ministry, as we read here Second 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, some of you are familiar with this passage, you'll find that God has given us mercy, right? So we go to the second point. Last week we dealt with this. And it's the ministry, it reveals the truth. It reveals the truth. That's the essence of our ministry. Why do we have nursery worker? Why do we have junior church worker? Why do we have ushers? Why do we have singers and instrumentalists? Why do we have preachers? Why do we have any of the things that we do within the compounds of the local church and an extension of our ministry by supporting missionary outside and sending missionaries out and ourselves going to the community? What is the basis and the really core of what we're doing? It's revealing truth. Don't forget that ever. It's not to, 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 to promote ourselves necessarily, although you have to pro- present yourself. All right, For you to carry the truth, you have to present yourself. And so sometimes uh, we're in danger of making uh, that presentation more important than the, the reason why we're going out there. And so my idea is not that we attract them by ourselves, although that is a, a help. That's a help, right? It's a help. Imagine if somebody goes to your house and they look uh, to be of, uh, 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 you, and obviously we all do this and we say we don't judge, but we do because of the danger of this world. We have to protect those that we love. And so if somebody comes to your home on an off time and they, they're dressed and they look like they're not going to be good people by the way they look, you have to have some judgment and say, well, I'm not going to let them in because... They're not presentable in the way that they're looking. And I, I, you could be wrong and don't judge a person or don't judge a book by its cover. I understand all of that, but it matters because part of what we wear and part of how we carry ourselves, our, our, our haircut and all of those are maybe minuscule, but they represent who we are. It represents who we are, all right? And I'm not trying to make a big emphasis on those things, uh, but if you, if you see me with a white shirt, and I have a tag here, and I come in a bike, all of you know exactly who I'm talking about. Am I wrong by saying that? All right. And so what we do outwardly has a reputation, and we have to be careful as we go about, all right? If I tell you, describe to me what a burglar would look like. You would give me a few attributes outwardly, all right? Uh, so, so be careful in all of those things. In, 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 in revealing the truth, uh, we talk, num- letter A, is through pure doctrine, all right? I could come like a burglar to somebody's home, but they don't know my heart because they can't see it. A man doesn't see the heart. God only sees the heart. God knows that I have pure intention. I look like a burglar, but I'm bringing the gospel, 
Could they, they shouldn't judge me. Well, how am I going to fix that? Well, I'm going to try to conform a little bit to what may be the standard of our day. And that's when culture, we have to learn to adapt a little bit to the culture. And don't be so rebellious. And be a little bit given to some things. Right? You don't have to have it your way. Right? We learned that as missionaries going to the Philippines. We can come across to them as an American. And boy, the first few months we did. We absolutely come across as Americans. And did our ministry and our intention and our motives, was it questioned? Yes, because they didn't know us. They didn't know us. And so I hurt some of my reputation because of the way I looked. Right? Because culturally it bothered them. I didn't even have to say anything yet. It's just the way I'm looking. And so think about some of those things. I know sometimes we, uh, we go to the ultra extreme, don't judge them. I understand that we should not. Uh, on, on, the, on the perspective, we should learn to know people. We should get to know them. And there's a reason maybe that's the way they are. And so we need to have grace in that area. But in, in the idea of what I'm talking about here as a minister, and now you can understand why as probably in a church we dress this way. The Bible doesn't tell us to dress this way. But it gives us principles. That's why, as an American culture, we dress like this in church. Do you understand that now a little bit? So that uh, we can have a little bit of uh, understanding here uh, why there's some things such of that nature. And as a pastor, I'm responsible. And so anybody that comes up in the pulpit and sings here, it would be nice if they were presentable. There's a little bit of a standard that I have to uphold, right? So that that could be done, right? And it might be a preference of mine. Correct? I think we're, we're talking real stuff here now, right? And so that's good. That's, we need to think that way because uh, we're representing truth. As Christians, we no longer just represent ourselves. We represent Christ and his teachings. And so that's letter A, through pure doctrine. Now let's go to letter B, uh, and that is through pure lives. Pure lives. A pure testimony of integrity and holiness advances the truth because it cuts straight to the heart of those who see it. I've said this, and I've seen this in practice, and I hear this in other testimony. Especially in countries uh, where they have to see your life before they listen to you. And, uh, and, and they're engrossed. Uh, heathenism or in their they don't even have any contacts of who Jesus is and they have to see you live Jesus out in your life and as you proclaim the truth they might not understand what you're saying but then your life kind of gives power to your testimony oh they really believe this because they they do it they're living it out they're, they're living what they what they're saying and now we're all fallen nature and as a preacher I'm at the uh, at, at most criticized as a preacher because guess what? We tend to be the one that speak a lot in the church. That's our role, to be a teacher and preacher. And so we give out truth in this way, in this monologue, verbal way. And so our lives then is questioned to match uh, if we really believe what we're saying. 
And to be honest with you, there's some things I preach that I struggle with that I need help in. I'm not there. But I cannot not preach it because I'm not living my standards. The standard is not for you to copy me. Our whole goal here is to copy Jesus. And there's no preacher. I don't know how long he's preached or how long he's pastored that he's going to match my Jesus. And so he's going to preach some truth that you look at, well, he's not doing it himself. And you know what I'll say to you? You're right. You're absolutely right. Good one. You got a letter. You got 100% on that one. And let's make a, a question to this. How about you? How's your life matching out with the doctrines of the truth of the word of God? Because the pastor is not only the witness. Because being a pastor, yes, it negates the fact that I should act like a Christian because I'm in leadership. But I don't reveal the truth just because I'm a pastor. I reveal to the truth because I'm saved. I do the things I do because I'm a Christian. It's defined because I know Jesus, not because I have a position of authority in the church. And we know that to be a fact that most times, and if not, even the preacher have struggles, all right? And it's nothing new to us. And so pure lives are important because uh, the pure testament of integrity and, and holy holiness advances the truth because it cuts straight to the heart of those that see it. Look at your uh, verse that I had you open, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number 2. But I have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, by but manifestation. Here's the key thought here with what we're talking about, pure lives. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Let's pray. Lord Guide us now as we continue this morning and help me again to be clear. Help me to be uh, just right where you need me to be. Help those that are listening work in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. And you find that as a Christian, we not only serve God, but we serve people. And you have to balance this because a lot of us, uh, lose some of how to do this. Now, imagine one key difference. God sees your heart. You can't lie to him about your motive, your intention, the reasons why you're doing it. And if sometimes you deceive yourself thinking, well, I'm good, I'm doing this for the right motive. And may I say, like David did, search me, O God. May you always, every time you can, do some self-examination and ask the holy God that we serve through his book and through his Holy Ghost to help you really see, really see the motive of your heart. Why are you doing this? Why are you serving? Why are you having that kind of a standard? Where do you base all that? Why are you doing it? You need to find that Jesus Christ will be thoroughly, truly honest with you. His word is very, very true. And it's pure. The Bible says the word of God is pure. It has without corruption. It has no agenda. It has no uh, uh, ambition. It has no uh, 
And, and, and what I mean by this is there's no human uh, manipulation to it. It's just so pure. It is so good. It is so real. It's so true. And if you read it, it will be very true to you. It will reveal the places where you are bare. It will show you where you need some help. And you don't need somebody else necessarily to point that out to you. If you've got the Holy Ghost, he will do a fine job of it. And then you're going to be honest with him and say, hey, Lord, I need you. I need those people to be in my life because they're stronger at it than I am. Help me to be a friend to them. Help me to show to them that I'm humble enough that they could be uh, with me. And maybe by their example, as Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, uh, in turn, they will strengthen me as my brother and my sister. And then I will be strengthened through their life as they follow Christ, and then I see Christ in them. And then now I help other people behind me. It's so good what we have in, in Jesus Christ. A lot of times in, in, in isolation mentality, and, and, and I love independence, but we're not isolationist. If you're a true Christian, we separate, but we separate unto. We separate from a group and a, an ideology that's wrong, sin, but then we adapt and we simulate and become a part of something that's called holy. And that's not done by yourself. All right? Well, a lot of times we have a misunderstanding of independence. We think we're independent of anybody but us. No, that's what the Bible says. You are becoming gods in your own eyes. And you do that thing which is right in your own eyes. You're in dangerous ground, Christian. When you have this feeling, I don't need anybody in my life, you're in a very dangerous place. Because God is clear in his word. I separate you from a people that, uh, that is corrupt, and I'll give you to a people that is holy. And together you work to unite so that my name, my will, my way, my work can be revealed to the nations. That's exactly how God does it. That's why we need this church. Okay, you separate from the worldly friends you got. Who are you uniting to? What kind of friends are you? Oh, I'm going to be by myself. That's not a truth from Scripture. It's easy because we feel God's not going to bother us. Have you really been paying attention to him? He knows how to bother you. You know what he did? He gave you me. He gave you Pastor Cole for 40 years. He gave you Pastor Seth. He gave you your wife. He gave you your husband. He gave you your parents. And he set people in the church as he pleased. I said this over and over again. It is not my choosing as the pastor who's going to be a member here. I follow the scriptural protocol. They have to be saved. I believe baptism is part of it, Acts 2.41. Those that were uh, received the word gladly were baptized the same name, added to the church. That's how I follow it, Acts 2.41. Right? We've seen people saved, we've seen them baptized, and we've seen them join the church. Do you think that was my choosing? That was my preference? No. That's not the way it goes, right? And so we have to be very very close to our Lord and, and, and really, really work with him. And he's got a reason. He's got a reason for setting 
the members specifically in order. I can't wait until everybody likes me. You're going to wait a long time. And in your, and in your mind, that's the perfect church. Everybody likes me. Then you are, I don't know, that is not reality. That is not true. And then you have this other, well, I'm only going to fellowship and be a part of those people that really like me. People have, have a couple of things that they, that they do. They, they typically gravitate to the people that are like them because they fear to be called out on their things that they think and things that they do. Because somebody that's different than you is going to question that. Why do you comb your hair like that? Very simple things. But they're going to also do other things about your lifestyle. They're going to question you. Why do you guys dress like that? And so we tend, as human beings, we don't like that kind of life. We, we want to be left alone. We're isolationists. We don't want anybody to bother us. And so what we do is we find people that are exactly like us. Right? Because in being like us, we feel, all right, everybody's wrong. We're right. Right? And whose basis? Your own, your own mind, your own, your own ideas. And uh, somebody said, uh, 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 surround yourself with different people that are different than you. And I learned this truth. It's hard to do because they're going to know you and they're going to frustrate you. But you're going to get a perspective you would not get any other way if you grab people that don't think like you. And that's what makes the church super amazing because we come from all different perspectives. And if you come to the church and say, well, the unifier is Christ, we have to unify in the word of God. But then in other things and preferences, you get to learn to have patience and you learn to be gracious and you learn to be merciful. How can you be merciful? And the Bible talks about this. Uh, even the Gentiles love each other. And so how are you going to challenge you being a servant if everybody's serving you? Because they like you and they worship you. You know, we like to surround ourselves with people that just say good things about us all the time. How are you going to grow? How are you going to grow up? Right? You need somebody from the outside looking in. And I love that. Self-examination always requires you to look somewhere else because you have blind spots and you need somebody to say, let me come along you. Hey, you probably don't notice this, and it's not because you meant to do this probably, but, but you have a stain on the back of your pants. And you, uh, you've been walking around, and uh, I thought to help you, maybe you want to take care of that. Right? And in that little example, oh, this is going to be really scary now to say this. How are you doing your child rearing and you're raising your children? How are you doing in your personal finances? How are you doing in your relationship with your husband and wife? How are you doing with teenage children? You have a choice now. You're just going to surround yourself with people that will not say nothing. And just say, you just 
great job. Everything, great job. Great job. You're just super. Great. Don't, miss, don't misunderstand me. You have to be kind. All right? You have to be kind. We need to learn to be kind. But kindness does not negate us saying truth. And so if you really want to be better than you are, then you're going to get perspective from people that you know love you and want the best. And you're going to ask some question with other people. And you're going to ask them for help. In child rearing, there's some friends of mine that come alongside of us and say, you know, I noticed that so-and-so and so-and-so does this, and I, I notice this, and I don't mean to be offensive. I, I know you know our heart. We love you guys. I have an idea, and this is what we did with ours, and we struggled. We got other things that we struggle with, but here's something maybe you guys could apply and see if this would work. You see that approach? How can you get that if you surround yourself with people that always just applaud you? How are you going to get that? How are you going to get that when we don't talk? How are you going to get that? How are you going to get improvement when you don't surround yourself with people that can help you? I mean, I've learned quickly in this pastoring business that, man, I need to read books about how to pastor. Uh, Pastor Cole gave me a book. I'm reading through it. Uh, I, I, I found another book. I'm, I finished reading through that. I asked several pastors, young and old. I had a great conversation yesterday with a pastor friend of mine, Pastor Herdsek, great guy. Guess what? In our way, as we're taking our kids to the football, guess what we were doing? We're asking each other, sharpening each other. He's giving me ideas. I'm giving him ideas. How am I going to get that if I don't have a Pastor Mike? How am I going to get that if I didn't take the time to be with Pastor Mike? And he didn't take the time to take time with me. And he had no malicious intent. He's not belittling me. He's not looking at me uh, as a subordinate. or He's not looking at me like you don't know what you're doing. It was an attitude of love, an attitude of brotherly kindness. It was, it was really sweet. My wife is finding a young pastor's wife that's helping her. And guess what my wife and I are doing? We're providing time for that. We're providing time for that. Iron, sharpen it, iron. Real labor requires you to be in people's lives. And if you're not prepared for disappointment, and you're not prepared for what's coming, and, the, and who, who hurts you the most? It's the people you love the most. So why are we shocked when they do? Why are we shocked when they do? It's tough, guys. I, I, I am, I'm, I'm embracing myself, and I'm praying. I, I'm, I'm in deep prayer all the time. Oh, God, help my children. Oh, God, help them. Because I love them. And, and, and I'm anticipating. I don't know how to do it. I, I'm helping God. I won't have to go through some things that some of you dear people are going through. I'm not exempt to any of those. And so I need your advice. I need your help. 
And I'm going to drop my guard down. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to let you say some things to me that are hurtful. But I know because you love me, you want to help me. And there's no other way to say it. And I'm going to look at you and I'm going to say thank you. Because I know you care. That's what we need to have. For effective working together. We have to drop the, the formality sometimes. I love formality. I love that the, the chairs are formed the right way. I love that we have flags are beautifully done. I love formality. I love all of it. I love sharpness. I love everything else. Right? But that, let's not lose in the formality that we don't need help. All right? And so real labor is that. The Holy Spirit just took me, and I, I ran with it, guys. So uh, lesson number three. Point number three. Uh, remember our responsibility. Remember our responsibility. I'm going to skip a few things here. Uh, the seriousness of our responsibility, this is your point three there. Remember our responsibility. The seriousness of our responsibility as laborers in the church is that we shirk, uh, that we shirk our duties. There is no other group organization to step in and fill the gap. Let me read that again. The seriousness of our responsibility as laborers in the church is that if we shirk our duties, if we ne- neglect our duties, there is no other group or organization to step in and fill the gap. There's nobody else doing what we're doing. All right? And there's a lot of Perry Church ministries there, and they're to support us to do our job. Okay? But we have to do our job. And let me make an example of this. Those that teach Sunday school, those that minister to teenagers, uh, and even as a pastor, as I minister to you, husbands, you have a role that I can never fill for you. And parents, you have a role that I could never, none of our teachers can ever fill for you. And so is with the church. God has given us a very, very clear duty and mission. And no other organization can fulfill that for us. The mission boards, they help us. But they don't fulfill the role of the mission, uh, the church for the missionary. They just don't. If you understand mission, you understand what I'm talking about with that. All right? And letter A, we go here. Preach Christ. That's our responsibility. Preach Christ. Our first and greatest responsibility is to preach Christ, to personally and purposely share the gospel message with all who will listen. And look at here, uh, verse number 3 of 2 Corinthians 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them, which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. The power is in Jesus. We are the bridge. And the bridge is important to get from point A to point B. But the idea is that we don't stay in the bridge. It's just a mere channel and a way to get to where we need to be. People are here. We need to get them to Jesus. All right? And we are the bridge. We are the bridge, the human bridge that God's going to use to get us from these people that know not Christ as we do. And as we know Christ, we're holding on to him, and he's holding on to our hands And he's saying, grab that person over there, son. 
Go get that guy over there. All right, Jesus. This one? Yes, G- yeah, yeah, you grab him. All right. Hey, hey, this is Jesus. Man, hold on to me for a little bit, but I, I need you to grab a hold of him. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Grab a hold of him. All right, all right, Jesus, you got that one. And then that one, God's going to say, all right, all right, you got me now. I'm going to hold on to you because I'm amazing. I'm all powerful. So I need you to come over here and hold on to my hand. And now you, go get that one over there. Go get that one over there. And he's going to go, okay, thank you, Chris. Thank you for helping me. It's my turn now to help somebody else. All right, all right, all right. Or now me and, me, and, me and him are being held by Jesus. And we're trying to get people all around us. And that's what we're doing in this work of Christ. And some of us are holding on to each other. And, and giving each other encouragement as a team. So we preach Christ. That's the idea, not us. We preach Christ. We're just a means to an end. They need to go to Jesus. All right? Our ministry must never be for self-glory, all right, but for Christ's glory. Our ministry must never be for self-glory, but for Christ's glory. We're not seeking people to worship us. We're seeking people to worship him as we worship him. That's how we do it. Let it be, and it will be done, serve others. I remember our responsibility now in labor we preach Christ, and number two, we serve others. Look at uh, your verse that we're reading in verse number five. For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sakes. Ourselves your servant for Jesus' sake. Not because we like you necessarily, although that comes. I hope we like each other here. But it might not. But it doesn't matter. Because we're doing it for Christ's sake. And my love for Christ overflows. Then I love you because he loves you. My friend's friend is my friend. My friend's friend is my friend. And God considers you a friend. So he's my friend. I need to be a friend to you. And then eventually we'll have a friendship. And you'll say to God, oh, now, God, I see. He's re- he is really nice. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Lord. I didn't see that before. He was annoying to me. And, uh, oh, yeah. Well, thank you, Lord. Thank you for helping me now. Oh, she's really nice, Lord. I just didn't realize that. But thank you for helping me. And that's how it goes sometimes. But at first, it's not. So reach out. Do you think it's uncomfortable to talk to somebody you've never met before? It's very uncomfortable. But you have to start. You have to have that... Welcome spirit and the smile and the spirit of uh, we love you and we want, uh, we want to help you. We want to do what we can. Uh, we preach ourselves and we are servants for Jesus' sake. Make yourself the servant of people is another level. It requires another level. Let me read you this story about a missionary in Africa. A missionary to Africa was once asked if he really liked what he was doing. His response was shocking. Do I like this work? Question mark. He said, no. Very, 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 very uh, emphatic, no. My wife and I do not like dirt. We have reasonable, refined sensibilities. We do not like crawling into vile huts through goat refuse. But is a man to do nothing for Christ 
who has, uh, he does not like, but is a man to do nothing for Christ, he does not like. God pity him if not. Liking or disliking has nothing to do with it. We have orders to go, and we go. Love constrains us. Wow, that was a vital truth somebody taught me. And like, again, I, it was another person that taught me this. And I'm glad I put it in the back of my brain. Because going to the Philippines, the first time I was infatuated with them. Ah, they could do no wrong. I love them. Whoa, they're my bros. They're my people. I'm going to go. Then I lived there. And the Filipinos is very hospitable. I love them as a people. But they'll show the true colors after time. When they realize, oh. You're not just visiting anymore. You're one of us. All right, go over there. And then they show that because you can't do that all the time. But, and as you live there five years, you live there six, seven, eight, ten years, you start to now notice and realize, oh, this is not infatuation. This is because I love them. You know, it has to come with duty some. And here, when we recognize the seriousness of our message and the directness of our responsibility, preferences and comfort zones fade in significance. The labor is not about us. It is about Christ. But all of these areas uh, contribute to people learning the gospel in church. Mature Christians push past their comfort zones for a message that is greater than personal comfort. Look at Hebrews 6.10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Ministry is not just for the platform. It doesn't only take place behind a lectern. Ministry is for every Christian. Every churches are full of people who invest in real labor in the most enduring work on earth, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be done with that this morning. So real labor will get you to a place where you're going to be vulnerable to be hurt. And so if you want success in your labor, embrace with God's leading. He's not going to take you to a place where he's not going to help you. He's not going to give you people where you can't handle You will get through it. And he will make your enemies your friend. You just have to do what he says. And what is that? To love your enemies. To do good to them that despitefully use you and abuse you. And that say all manner of evil against you falsely. If you have loved anybody, you have been spoken wrongly. If you have truly loved a person, at times, you will be spoken, you will be misunderstood, and your motive will be questioned, and they will have something to say evil about you. It's just the truth of it. It happens. Paul said it this way. The more I love, the less I be loved. The more I love, the less I be loved. Because they're not in maturity to understand why you're doing what you're doing. A parent, I can't explain to Mariah. And Mariah is just looking at me and saying, eh, I don't like it. No. And she's showing her will. I don't want to do that. No, no. You're against what I want to do. 
Because she has no understanding why we're giving her those instructions. And so the more we love her, the less we be loved. But we know down the road in maturity, they'll come through it and they'll say, thank you, Dad. Thank you, Mom. And so just think about that as you labor with people. Don't give up on people. Uh, don't, don't walk away from people. Try to work and have the Holy Ghost help you. And give the power from him because you're going to need it because you're going to get burnt. And you're going to need Jesus to help you, sustain you. Lord, bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed 10 minutes before the next service.